Listening to Cannabis Health Radio. Here are your hosts, Ian Jessup and Corey Yelland. Welcome to another episode of Cannabis Health Radio. I'm Ian Jessup. And I'm Corey Yelland. In 2003, our guest today was diagnosed with terminal Bartholin gland cancer, a form of vulvar cancer, which spread to her bladder. She then had to endure the effects of chemo and radiation and all that entailed. And four years ago, to add insult to injury, she was diagnosed with breast cancer. Here to tell her miraculous story is Janet Hunting Boyd of Corning, California. Janet, it's great of you to do this. And given the nature of and severity of your health issues, do you think you would be alive today without cannabis? I know I would not be alive without it. <laughs> I'm positive that my life would have ended at least four years ago. When because the uh, breast cancer that I was diagnosed with had spread to my lymph nodes. And the doctors were adamant about going through chemotherapy. And I told them I was not going to go through chemotherapy. By this time, I had learned a lot about RSO oil and decided that was going to be my route. And I even told my doctor that. And my my gynecological oncologist and the chemotherapist oncologist agreed with me. Janet, take and, us take us back all the way back to 2003 when when your journey really started and tell us about terminal Bartholin gland cancer. Did I pronounce that correctly? Bartholin? Um yes, Bartholin gland. The Bartholin gland is the fold of skin that is on the outside of a, a woman's vagina. There are two folds of skin. Mm-hmm. And I had a reoccurring cyst from the time I was 16 years old, about every six years, this cyst would appear. Finally, in 2003, I went to go get this cyst lanced, and the doctor looked at it, and she started crying. And she said, that is not a cyst, that is Barcelon gland cancer, and I don't know anybody that's ever survived it. She said, it's very rare, and she said, there's not really much treatment. She said, we can try chemo and radiation and see what that does because the surgery is very invasive and radical and you probably won't survive it. <laughs> wow. And, yeah, and so I just went, well, you know what? At that point in time, I just thought to myself, you don't know me. <laughs> Number one, I'm a very optimistic, positive person and um, just have that going for me. But anyway, I went through the hoops and went through the chemotherapy, and it was almost something that would have just killed me right off the bat. The radiation was even worse. I was over-radiated. I had a, a hole about the size of a deck of cards that was left in my bottom, that my husband spent four months packing every four hours to regrow the skin. I couldn't move. And I had this stupid backpack of chemotherapy on me and a 
catheter and I still had to go for treatments, you know, it was it was just total hell. Um God, it sounds I, like it. I mean, having that large, when you say a hole in your bottom. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Is that it was, at, at, at Uranus? Yeah, very close. Um, probably, it was probably about a half an inch to an inch away from the opening. Yes. So it was, you know, on my butt, <laughs> but just not in a good spot. Wow. I'm sitting here actually with my mouth half open, Janet. I just can't even imagine what that would have been like for you. Oh, it was, you know, what I had going for me was I um, had been married for 44 years (laughs) to a wonderful man who took extremely good care of me, and I would not be alive if he did not take that kind of care of me. This big hole Uh, that you had, was this caused from the radiation? Yes, yes. The hole was caused from the radiation. I was over-radiated. It just, like, burned the spot, and it was almost like um, a flesh-eating disease. It started eating away all the way down to the bone. They had to, like, cut away the bad part, you know, and then I had this hole, and, and it all had to grow from the inside out. What did the medical professionals... That was real fun. <laughs> Janet, what did, they, what did they say to you about this? Oops. Uh, well, yeah, yeah. It was like, you know, they didn't figure that any of that was their fault. We were with um, Kaiser Permanente, you know, and they just kind of run you through one hoop at a time. And, you know, I had people dealing with me with that along with all the other stuff. It was just nuts. But anyway, by the time I got done with all of that, the cancer still wasn't gone. So after all of that, quote, wonderful chemotherapy and wonderful radiation, it did not kill the cancer. Instead, it had spread to my bladder. So my only option was to go through this radical surgery. At that time, my doctor said, tells my whole family she's probably not going to survive this surgery. It's really a big thing, you know. They uh, um, removed my bladder. They did a radical bulvectomy, which takes away your vagina. (laughs) They did a hysterectomy. Um, I had a urostomy installed and a colonostomy installed, all at that same time. (laughs) Because... My large intestine wasn't going to work anymore, so I just had my small one. And so anyway, they were getting all that stuff figured out. And that was round one in the hospital for a month. And then I came home, and then I had what they call a fistula. And what that is is a leakage of stool that started coming out of my vaginal wound opening which wasn't healed at all. So then I had to go back to the hospital for another month of another surgery. They were trying to figure out how to stop this, you know, and they thought they had it stopped. And then I came home again, and thank God I had sushi because I had sesame seeds that came came out of that area, and I went, oh, it's not fixed. (laughs) Back to the hospital again I went for another month. At that time, the doctor said, you know, I'm just at my wit's end, but he was a really good doctor, and he 
went over and above the call of duty to fix me. And at that point in time, they put in ileostomy, which is not in a good spot. It's just above the hairline, just below the belly button. So while I was in the hospital, um, and, you know, each surgery, they had my whole family there. Each surgery, they said, she's going to die. She's going to die. And then... The doctor said, you know what, I'm sending you home. He said, I don't want you in the hospital because if you stay here, you just might die. So he sent me home. He knew I had a good caregiver. But they took my stitches out of my ileostomy too soon. And so my ileostomy, if you can imagine, it looks like a canoe with a volcano in the center of it that erupts (laughs) 24-7. So anyway... That took forever to heal. I had specialists and all these different people that came to the house that could not figure out how to put a bag on this and have it heal at the same time. Only my husband could figure that out, and that's why I'm here. And it took forever. I had when, you know, after all of that, three months in the hospital and all the stuff I went through, I lost the ability to walk. My muscles atrophied and I wasn't eating either and so I really went heavy right then as soon as I got home okay I gotta you know smoke my my medicine and that got me to eat again which was a miracle because they were going to put a backpack and an intravenous thing to make sure that I gained weight when I started this whole thing I weighed 230 pounds. When I got out of the hospital the third time, I weighed 140. Mm. So (laughs) in that amount of time, that's what it was. I'm glad I had the extra weight because otherwise I probably wouldn't be here. Janet, given all the terrible things that uh, you've had to endure, did you at any time think that maybe I'd be best if I just passed? You know, right before the surgery, right before the surgery, I was on four different pain medications, probably the strongest in history. And at that point in time, I said, I just don't want to do this anymore. But what I got was, well, you're going to have the surgery. They'll get that crap out of you, and you'll be on your way. So I went with that. I have four kids. At that time, I think I only had five grandkids, but it wasn't really my time to be gone. So I really kind of decided to go for the fight. And um, after everything was said and done, I ended up with three ostomy bags. And to make things at a lighter note, we decided to give them names. So they are Penelope, Penelope, and Minnie Pooh. And <laughs> who are you closest to? Yeah, who are you closest to? <laughs> well, Penelope is the biggest pain because that's the canoe with the volcano, you know. Oh, but anyway, we we do nightly bag changes. My husband prepares the bags. He uses marbles and plumbing rings and you know all kinds of ingenious things as spacers to fill the void. And we've got it down. We call it a poo-poo party, and it takes about 15, 20 minutes. And I'll tell you, if there is anybody out there that is having any trouble with ostomy bags, 
we are total experts at it. <laughs> the ostomy experts. The ostomy experts. Yeah. It sounds to me like you struck gold with your husband. He sounds like an amazing uh, I, man. Yes, I certainly did. I certainly did. And he is totally benefiting from the RSO oil as well because he suffers from epilepsy and post-traumatic stress and back degenerative disc disease of the back. And when I started doing the RSO oil four years ago for the breast cancer, I did one, two, three, four grams. I was on my fourth gram before he said, well, maybe I would like to try that because I kept telling him, this is wonderful. This will help you, you know, to that, to that, to that. And he tried it. Then we figured out, oh, we could make this. So we didn't have to pay expensive prices because from from the first time I bought it to the second time I bought it, it doubled in price. Right. <laughs> now, on, and, a, on a lighter note, Janet, does your husband ever tease you and call you the bag lady? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yeah, I'm the bag lady. Um, we definitely have made a lot of humor in all of this. And I'll tell you what, my whole family is very well educated. They all know about ostomies. They all know about cancer. They all know about RSO. Um, I push. <laughs> I'd like to do a TV commercial, <laughs> you know. <laughs> uh, but uh, even I've got teenage grandkids. A couple of them have learned how to build the bag, and our kids have learned how to build the bag in case uh, my husband isn't available to do it. How did you first get on RSO or cannabis oil? How did you find out about that? And Well, when I got diagnosed with breast cancer, and I went through the first couple hoops, and then they sent me to the surgeon, and I did have the tumor. I had two tumors. They were both small, uh, removed, and... After that, he said, okay, you, now you're going to the chemotherapist. And I thought, oh, great. I'm not going through chemotherapy again. It about killed me. I've got three pieces of my intestine that are sticking out of my body. Chemo would kill them as well as it killed the cancer if it even would do that. I'm not doing it. And so that's when I um, looked it up. I just read a little bit about it at that time, and I looked it up, and um, we had an acquaintance that, you know, was uh, making the stuff, and that's when I first decided, okay, I'm not going to do this. And when I did talk to my oncologist for the chemotherapy, he was the same doctor that I had 14 years ago. So he knew everything that I'd already been through. And when I told him what I was going to do, he said, more power to you. You know, he thought it was the greatest thing. Janet, was your breast cancer hormone driven, do you know? Yes, it was. It was uh, estrogen, too much estrogen in my body. Mm. Did And you used high THC? Uh, yes. See, this is the, the, the big dilemma now with uh, breast cancer is that sometimes with hormone-driven breast cancer, a high THC seems to drive the cancer. And yet back in the day, we treated all 
cancers with uh, high THC, and and certainly the the estrogen driven progesterone ones were harder to clear, but uh, we did have some success. So obviously, you were one of these people where high THC yeah, and, worked well, just and, you fine. Know, the, the, yeah, the first four grams, like I said, they were probably uh, made with pure bud. After that, the RSO oil that we make, we use trim and sometimes leaves, sometimes a few little buds, but it's, you know, a low quality, and I would say probably most of it has been more sativa than, um, or, you know, not as much THC as the CBDs, you know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that could be why I'm kicking butt here, so. (laughs) One of the things that you mentioned in some of the notes that you sent us is when you had the breast cancer and the oncologist wanted you to do chemo, you described him as a jerk. That was my radiation oncologist. radiation oncologist. Yeah, he was like a sergeant in the army or doctor or something, I don't know, but he was not a nice person, and and I told him my whole story about my stomas sticking out and chemo would kill him and I'd be dead. And he's telling me, oh, well, the chemotherapy now, it just you just go in two times and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I said, no, nope, no, nope, not having it. And, and he said, well, I'll tell you what. He said, I think you need to go have a PET scan. So he sent me for a PET scan. He was hoping to find cancer all over my body, you know, so that he could tell me, oh, you have to do chemo. And he didn't find anything because it came back negative. And and so I, you know, I went through the radiation. I almost wasn't going to, but I decided, well, since it's in my lymph node, I don't know. I didn't know that much about RSO at that time. And, and as I do now, had I to do this all over again, I probably wouldn't have had even the surgeries because I think the RSO oil would have killed those small tumors and Mm -hmm. I wouldn't even have to go through all that. I'm wondering how you uh, recovered after your vulvectomy and you said uh, you couldn't walk. Uh, How are things today? Oh, things are marvelous today. I do have a scooter and um, I haven't, I haven't hardly used my, I call it a go-mobile. I haven't hardly used it in the last three years. I also have what they call ostomy abscesses, and they're just something that goes with the territory because I have open pockets where organs used to be, and so sometimes, you know, I get like a infection, and most people, when they get these abscesses, they have to go to the hospital and have a tube inserted and have it drained. Lucky me, <laughs> in my vaginal wound, or my vaginal area, I have a small hole that didn't heal up, another radiation present, but it has been a godsend because that's where my abscess comes out when I get one, and so I don't have to go to the hospital and deal with all that. Well, you sound like a bit of a science experiment. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy, yeah. I'd like to have an x-ray of what stuff looked like on the inside because when they were explaining it, you know, well, we're pulling this part of your intestine over here and we're pulling this part of your this over here and I haven't sat on a toilet in 15 years, so or 14 years, I mean, and because my large intestine doesn't work, so... Yeah, Nothing yeah. happens there. I get, yeah, you know, I get slough from my large intestine that comes out of mini poo, and then 
you know, the active things are are Penelope and Penelope, and uh, <laughs> and and I don't have to do the pee pee dance. I could I could go anywhere and let everybody go to the bathroom ahead of me because I don't feel anything. <laughs> Think of all that time you saved. <laughs> That's right. Yes. Oh, and it's wonderful because for traveling, boy, I tell you what, when I had a bladder, oh boy, it was like stop every hour. <laughs> you know, I gotta go. I gotta go. I was constantly just always having to go. You know, once you, I hit fifty or whatever it was, and so yeah, it's it, it really isn't that bad. You know, I. I don't have to get up at night to go to the bathroom. You know, I have a night bag that I attach Penelope to, and and the other one doesn't fill up all the way usually. So sometimes I get a balloon if I have gas because I can't um, fart. (laughs) My sphincter muscle is not there anymore, and so sometimes I get some intestinal pain because of that. But... For the most part, I am a very happy person, and um, every day I look out my window or look out my door and just say, I'm happy to be alive, and and we moved up to the hills out of the city and have three acres, and it's oak trees and pine trees in the distance, and um, right now the, the ground is all dead because of summer, but... It's just a very therapeutic place to be. Well, one of the things that I find really fascinating is that when the doctor was going to lance this uh, thing on your your, uh, vulva. Bartholin gland. Bartholin gland. He said that uh, it was terminal and nobody's ever survived it. But here you are, 14 years later, thanks to cannabis oil and your husband, you are a survivor. And yes. I think and that, I've that's, gone back. That's marvelous. Yeah, I've gone back to that doctor and showed them that I'm here. Were they, were they <laughs> so what did they have to say? Yeah, <laughs> they're astonished. They're flabbergasted. All the all the doctors and nurses. I've gone back to the the people where I did my chemotherapy and walked in and said, "I just wanted to show you, I am still kicking." And they are. They're just flabbergasted. I. My my doctor who did all my surgeries 14 years ago, he was uh, what they called my gynecological oncologist, and he retired, and so did my other oncologist. So I've gone through like their whole doctorhoods, but the doctor, um, the gynecologist, one that did all my surgeries, my last visit with him, I told him all about my RSO oil and uh, my breast cancer and and how I was surviving. And every time he saw me, he said, oh, you're still here, you're still here. He always expected me not to be here, but after about, oh, I guess five or five or six years, he figured I wasn't going anywhere. And he says, well, it looks like you're going to live. And, and when I go to that office, I'm like the bright star because everybody else that goes in there is getting the word, oh, you've got cancer, you're going to, you know, have to go through blah, 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 blah. And I walk in, and I'm all happy-go-lucky and cancer-free. And Janet, how much cannabis oil do you consume a day? Um, I do uh, between a half a gram and a gram for maintenance. 
but like I said, it's not, it's low grade RSO oil. So, you know, it's not uh, made out of pure bud. So, but you're still getting it in your body, and that's... Uh, oh, you bet, yeah. yes. Um, and my husband does the same. We do it at night before we go to bed, just like clockwork. How yep. long did you... Sorry, to no, interrupt there. How long did you use the oil before you cleared your uh, breast cancer, Janet? Um, I started it, you know, on day one, and I went for my first mammogram a year later, and it came out clean as a whistle. And continued on, and the next one came out clean as a whistle, and so on and so on. So I feel that it was almost immediate. Did you, you ever know. consume uh, too much cannabis and get high? No. No. Boy, aren't you smarty pants. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, um, my husband and I, we have been, we also smoke a lot of, um, cannabis and we do some vaping we usually start first thing in the morning because i have to you know that's how i function and that's how he functions and you know we wake up and usually share a a cannabis cigarette and um, or a pipe full and go on with our day and then when it's time to medicate again we do so and and we pretty much do that throughout the day, and then at night we do the the oil. And how do your kids wonderful. feel about your cannabis use? Oh, my! Well, my kids are all old. First of all, our oldest daughter, um, I've got her using RSO too. Um, she was having anxiety. She's a a engineer and works, you know, with a lot of stress stuff and i said oh you should do rso oil and so she's fine she thinks it's wonderful next one down he thinks it's wonderful he hasn't started doing it yet but he partakes and uses medical next one down she doesn't partake at all but she loves the fact that my husband and i have improved beyond recognition in the last few years it's just yeah, we turn into teenagers, is what my husband said, except for our bodies, you know. <laughs> yeah, but, Mentally, yeah, you know. We can understand that. <laughs> <laughs> no, the couple that medicates together stays together. Oh, you bet. You bet. <laughs> and I'll tell you, you know, for him, it's work wonders. He, well, he got an opiate agreement he had to sign, and he refused to sign it because that's an invasion of privacy. They can't tell you, oh, you can just, you have, whenever we call you, you have to come in so we could test your blood or whatever, you know, this and is... bring all your pills. And it was like, you know, he said, I'm not a criminal. I'm not going to sign this. And so, so what exactly is that, Janet? An opiate agreement? Mm-hmm. It is an agreement that now the doctors are making people sign. It's, it's the state of California, actually, that is enforcing it on doctors to have patients that have had long-term pain management of opiates. And what it is saying is that because of all of the stuff happening with the opiates, people ODing, people selling them on the streets, oh, and and you can't have opiates and marijuana at the same time because they don't go together. But anyway, they wanted him to sign this agreement. He refused, so they cut him off. So he doubled up on the RSO oil, and, and and his pain went away. 
<laughs> so I didn't need them to begin with. All they were were masking the pain and allowing him to do things he shouldn't have been doing because as soon as they wore off, then his body hurt. But since he doubled up on the um, his RSO, back pain went away, knee pain, knee pain went away, and he also has epilepsy and has to take this god-awful medicine. And um, we're hoping we can get rid of the god-awful medicine, but it has a lot of nasty side effects. But the RSO oil has taken away those side effects, 90% of them anyway. So it's been a miracle with that. And both of us have had weight loss because our metabolism, it does something to your metabolism. It adjusts something. You know, I'm diabetic too, and my diabetes is totally under control. Uh, Janet, is there it's a any, wonderful thing? Is there anything you don't have? Um, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I am I am like a walking miracle. I, you know, my my whole family and all my friends call me an inspiration, and and, frustration is. and <laughs> what, yeah, our frustration you? is just yeah. the, the the legalities of everything, you know. Yes. Because and because in California they uh, quote supposedly just recreational legalized it starting next year, but it's been medically legalized for a long time. But you can't grow if you live by a bus stop or you don't have this much room or live by a street or <laughs> or do this or do that, and it's like they're taking it all away and. And the only place you'll have to go, well, you'll have to go to the pot store. But when you're on a fixed income, that's not, uh, you know. It becomes expensive. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I just read something this morning about a judge in New Jersey who gave a gentleman, well, the gentleman sued his insurance company. He was a medical marijuana patient. He was signed up as a medical marijuana patient. He went to the medical marijuana dispensary and did all his purchases. He turned all his receipts into his insurance company. His insurance company said, I'm not paying for this. So he took the insurance company to court. The judge ruled in his favor that the insurance company has to pay for his medicine. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah, it is. <laughs> Janet, it was a real pleasure to talk to you, and you certainly are an inspiration given what you've been through over the last 14 years. Anything you'd like to tell listeners as we wrap this up? Well, I would just like to tell everybody that um, RSO is truly a, uh, a miracle medicine and that give it a try if you need it and that it's worked for us uh, worked for me very well and once again i am you know very positive and optimistic i i think that there's a reason for everything and i'm hoping someday the doctors and the medical field will figure it all out and i wish well to all those who suffer with all the negativities of any of the dreaded diseases that are out there. So all I can do is say peace out. Great. Thanks, Janet. It was a pleasure talking to you. Pleasure talking to you, too. Have a marvelous day. Thank you so much, Janet. And there you have it, another edition of Cannabis Health Radio. Thanks for listening, everyone. 
You've been listening to the Cannabis Health Radio podcast. Visit our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com, and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, y'all. I'm Joe, host of Casually Baked the Podcast. If you're curious to explore the highly responsible side of cannabis, farming, and legalization, I'm here to help lighten the stigma and build your can of confidence. Download episodes now of Casually Baked the Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And journey with me through the evolving cannabis culture and discover how and why people like you are adding cannabis to their wellness toolkit. It's time to get casually baked.